Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, once again, we're back on the floor of San Diego Comic-Con. Ground zero for pop culture, at least for the next couple of days. Uh, I'm in the D.C. booth. It's packed. It's Saturday. It's going to get crazy down here. Uh, but I get to talk with the creative team behind Batgirl. You know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, welcome to More to Come. I've got uh, Cameron Stewart, Babs Tarr, Brendan Fletcher. Thank you so much, and welcome to More to Come. It is such an honor, Calvin. <laughs> you flatter me. Uh, it's an honor to talk to you guys. Look, obviously I'm here because I we, you know, I'm not a huge superhero fan, but I find myself, I really was charmed by Batgirl. I really loved it. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what went into Creating the new Batgirl. Well, it's what you just said about not being a superhero fan, but you responded really well to this. That was our goal. We wanted to do a comic that was kind of an entry point for people who maybe don't read a lot of superhero comics or don't read DC comics. And, and we're looking for something that was kind of fun and light and relatable and not really bogged down with a lot of continuity and tied into eight other titles and things. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just trying to make something that was contemporary and fresh and fun. Yeah, we give her a lot of um, a lot of like out of the costume time, which I think yeah. really mm-hmm. helps you feel more relatable to her. And everyone's kind of on the cell phone and being modern. And I, I made sure to dress the people in like clothes that you would see like on the street. And we try to make cool environments that would that would be where they live. And um, yeah, we're just making it super cool. Yeah, let me just tell you yeah, that uh, one of the things that that uh, really blows me away is that you would ask a question like that, and as you ask it, I watch Paul Dini walk by. <laughs> Paul Dini, one of the guys responsible for the Batman animated series, sure. who uh, created a version of the Batgirl character that really resonates strongly with us. So one of the touchstones when we kind of tried to find our iconic Barbara Gordon was the Batgirl Batman animated series and the uh, Batman 66 show. And the man just walks by because we're at San Diego Comic-Con. I just want to pull him in and thank him. Well, you mentioned, you know, there's a, a new tone and there's, there's a sense of real of youth. And, you know, and there's a, it seems like it's a little Williamsburg-y yeah. stuff going on uh, with yeah, the Burnside and the, the neighborhood in Gotham. There's Very hip. Of bike shops and coffee yeah, shops. Yeah, and yeah. It's actually, uh, none of us currently live in Williamsburg, but it is a kind of a composite of a bunch of the cities that we were living in, which are all very kind of, you know, trendy, hip cities. I was living in Berlin when we started this. Brendan was in Montreal and that's in San Francisco. And so it's kind of like a hologram of all those. They all put together, layered into a... Into the coolest city, suburb ever. Yeah. We figured that a city like Gotham would have that kind of borough. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's one of the things, obviously, that really drew me into it. It really seems kind of now that you're really kind of addressing... And you know, a new generation of comics fans. Yeah. 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 We tried to do it. It's a comic about Barbara Gordon is 21 years old. We thought a 21-year-old young woman in a major metropolitan city would be drawn to that kind of city and or that kind of, that kind of neighborhood. And it's a way for her to start again. We wanted her to kind of have a new uh, direction, a new a new change in her life. And so she decided that she's going to move to this new part of the city, start up there, meet a whole bunch of new friends, and get into a whole bunch of new friends. And it's the whole feeling of there's a lot of social media in the book. There's yeah. there's tech startups. There's, I mean, it's it, it really has a, a great contemporary feel. Not easy to do for these characters that really go back many many years. Yeah. yeah. So look. 
Let me get this out of the way very quickly. Obviously, there were two controversies over the cover. You guys seemed to handle it really well. I think the fans were very satisfied. Even people who are critical, I think, said, okay, had to back off. So, you handled I mean, th- it really well. Thank you very much for saying that. I think the reason that we handled it well is just we had conviction in what we were doing and we felt like we were doing the right thing. That was great. Uh, the uniform. That, you know, very, very now, also very hip and stylish, and that seemed to sort of energize the fans also. Now, what, what went into designing the Um, Well, as I said, we wanted to do something that was kind of contemporary and modern and, and felt appropriate for an audience of, of young women, and I wanted to do, a co- all costume design ideally should come from the character, mm-hmm. and so... I wanted to come up with something that a young woman would actually want to wear that would be stylish and cool and maybe something that she would want to wear even when she's not being a superhero. <laughs> so I went and was looking at a bunch of um, fashion blogs and going through them and trying to find things that I thought could be adapted into a superhero costume. Uh, so I, the yellow Doc Martens were already uh, a product and so I thought that would be a great thing that was you know appropriate to fit the color schemes, the leather jacket and, and everything and so I, I did a first pass of the costume and then handed it off to Babs like a relay race and was like now you run with this. <laughs> yeah, um, he had this he had her in this leather jacket but it didn't have any like details really on it other than the logo and I was like oh I can make that look so cool and I got really excited because I love fashion and um, leather jackets especially and I added like some streamlines to it and some zippers and a little bit of hardware to echo the snaps of the cape that he had already had and um, she had a very like old school belt um, then I kind of I kind of updated it a little bit to this like side pouch with a little strap and um, add a little, little sexiness to it it's cute and, it's sexy yeah, it's fun I got really jazzed when I saw like, he had the cow with the ears exposed so I, I was like oh if I I gotta give her some earrings because like whenever I leave the house if I don't have like something in my ears I feel a little naked so I was like oh like a, t- a 21 year old girl would always have like fun earrings there you in. go this is a girl power super yeah girl. absolutely so, <laughs> and we have you know we wanted it to look like something that that she went to a thrift store herself in Burnside and like would put together herself and not like something Batman like, provided for her like this is her like head to toe which is really cool what the book's all about Great. it's a callback to the Batgirl comics back in the 60s when she made her own costume. Okay. Look, this has actually been a delight to talk to you. I'm a big uh, big fan. And I just want to thank you so much for being on Mordecai. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Calvin. Our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Great. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Hey, we're back on the floor of the San Diego Comic-Con. In the world of people walking back and forth looking at books, uh, I am here with Leah Hayes, um, uh, the author of a new book coming out from Fanagraphics, Not Funny Ha Ha, A Handbook for Something Hard, and indeed it is. Um, uh, Leah, uh, thanks for being on More to Come. Thank you so much for having me. Um, uh, Well, I mean, the book is a book about abortion, or... I guess what to do if you think you need an abortion or want one. Um, uh, yeah. Well, but, but you know what? Let me let you talk about what the book is about. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's it's basically a story about two girls who go through two different kinds of abortions, one medical and one surgical. And it sort of starts right at the beginning when they've already... It starts at the point where they've already decided to, to have one, each, each of the girls. And it, 
goes through to the end of that process, um, the actual physical process, and then sort of leaves off from there. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not necessarily trying to tackle the entire emotional process they go through, although it touches on that. It does. Um, it does yeah, yeah, but it's it's really trying yeah, to start at the moment where they've already decided and, mm -hmm. and just kind of walk you through what they both go through. So, well, before we go further, I'd, I'd love to know more about your background sure. as a cartoonist, because I'm not familiar. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I'm... Is this know, your first book, or...? No, it's no. not. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually my third book with Fanographics. Oh. I have two books out. Um, they, uh, Fanographics is lovely, and they've been yeah, they're, supporting they're awesome. me. They're awesome. You know, very supportive of my, my illustrations since the beginning, uh -huh. and... Uh, very much. And what are your and, other two books? What, what, um, what are one, books? The first one's called Holy Moly. It came out, I think, uh, 2003, I want to uh -huh. say, 2004. Um, the second one is called Funeral of the Heart. And that I like is, the title. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's sort of a collection of short stories that I've written illustrated. Uh -huh. so, yeah. Okay, well, back to Not Funny Haha. Mm -hmm. Again, the, the title kind of says it all. It, in some ways, it's, it's a good representative of the book. I mean, you've got funny in there. Yeah. And it's not funny. It's not funny. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it's but, not funny in that way. Um, but it isn't necessarily a morbid or book at all either. No, it's no, a, even it's as tough funny. a decision as this may be. Sure. Yeah, I mean, um, no, it's it's not meant to be taken lightly. The subject is very, yeah. I, I obviously take the subject very seriously, and I think it should be taken yeah. seriously. And that's sort of the point of the book that, um, or one of the points of the book for me is that it's, it's it's not an answerable question yeah. in my mind, and and I I'm working through it in my own mind and throughout these these drawings are sort of my way of working through uh, my thoughts on the subject and hopefully can be um, and you know an yeah. inspiration to girls reading it if they sure. if they mm -hmm. want to take it that way and um, but no I don't think it's at all a light subject yeah. and it's it it's something that um, I. I'm left after writing it and also left, you know, uh, after talking to lots of girls who've gone through it and things like yeah. that, um, I'm left not sure what to think of it in any conclusive way, but it's just um, an expression of... Sure. Uh, yeah, it's an expression so of the subject. Why this book and why why now? <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I, I'm still thinking about that subject as I talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that question. I... I have lots of feelings on the subject. It's um, it it just sort of came up in the last year, not related to anything, but just it, I suddenly had something to say about it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I you know I as good a reason as any to. Yeah. Write a book. I mean, it, I I really I'm not sure how to answer that question because it, it mm -hmm. literally just sort of all of a sudden that was what popped into my head that I, I felt like I needed to write about right now um, for myself and for others and that's I started writing it and just sort of it all came out yeah well, it's it's a very moving book as well because it is a I mean it is a story I mean you you contrast the lives of these two women and it's and it's a very conversational book because uh, uh, and and it, and it it reads like a friend talking to a oh, friend because <laughs> there there are times when you know you say well you know you could do this or you can say well people may say this to you yeah. but you don't have to pay attention to me. <laughs> in fact you sort of say you don't have to pay attention to me oh <laughs> well, yeah i mean i i, I certainly thanks for saying that because yeah. i i hope that's my one hope is that it comes across as as being pretty open-minded to you know whatever you want to do and and mm. it's really not trying to tell you what to do that's that's the main hope that I have is that it doesn't come off that way. It's, it's, 
it's really trying to be accepting and open to um, lots of different feelings you might have about what you're going through and um, yeah so I'm, I'm glad that that's coming across um, have you <laughs> excuse me have you been getting some reaction I mean I know there's been some excerpts online uh, have you gotten any feedback? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not out yet, so uh, there's been a couple little things here and there. Um, mainly positive in the sense that there a lot of um, a lot of people written about it are saying are, are grasping the intent, which is to be sort of comforting and um, not telling you what to do. There, you know, there's been a little backlash already from certain parties and I can and only I, imagine yeah, yeah. you know but I, I totally you know I get it it's it's mm -hmm. a polarizing subject and I'm I'm you know I, I wrote a book about abortion which is a very intense thing to write about and, and I'm, I'm ready for you know I, I want this to be an open dialogue and this book is part of my way of contributing to the conversation about abortion in general so I'm I'm totally ready for all that stuff you know are you going to be touring and or yeah, doing some yeah. events? Of course. Um, yeah, I am. So. Yeah, this summer um, and into the fall, I'm going to be going on a book tour that's starting from the Midwest into the back to the East Coast, and then hopefully a West Coast tour later in the fall. Great. Well, it's really an extraordinary book. Uh, Thanks so much. Uh, directed at you know, I think of people that really need it and need thoughtful. Commentary, more than anything else. So, look, I just I just like to say that thank you for being on More to Come. Oh man, thank you so much for having me. Right, I appreciate yeah. it. And good okay. luck with your book. Thanks so you much. Bet. <laughs> thank you. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Once again, uh, we are recording live on the floor of the San Diego Comic-Con International Ground Zero for pop culture for the next couple of days. Uh, I have the great good fortune actually to be here with Rod Espinosa. Uh, you may recognize the name from Neotopia, um, the Alice in Wonderland manga, if I'm not mistaken, Metadox. Yeah, he's putting in a few more. Anyway, uh, Rod, thank you so much for being on Mordecai. Yeah, thank you, Calvin. Um, so, uh, I, I, we were chatting a little bit before, and I said, yeah. you know, I'm a, I'm a, I was a big fan of Neotopia, and that's who kind of introduced me to your work. I've seen other things. I, I, I sort of lost track of you for the last couple of years, but you're coming out with a new version or an addition Courageous of Courageous Princess, Princess yes, so we'd love right. yeah. to hear more about that. Yeah, Courageous Princess has been out for a while. I mean, it's been, you know... When was it first uh, published? I believe it's 1998. Uh-huh. You know, right. The first episodes were published in 1998. Awesome. And so we're looking at, you know, like, what is it, 14, 15 yeah. years now? <laughs> it's, it's quite a while. And uh, the last time the, the, the whole collection was published was uh, 2003. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at something like a 12-year gap yeah. between the first and the second books. And it's different publishers? Uh, the, under different publishers, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, first it was under Antarctic Press. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then Dark Horse picked it up. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and then started publishing the, uh, the the book on a regular basis. Yeah, and there was a hardcover version of it, if I'm not mistaken, at some the point. First published it as a soft cover. Uh huh. And, and that's was a book hard, one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And right. then this one's a hard cover. This is going to be a hard cover to match the uh, sequel. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So there's a sequel that just came out in uh -huh. last June. Oh, okay. Uh, it was called uh, it's called Beyond the Unremembered Lands. Mm hmm. 
and uh, it continues the adventures of Princess Mabel Rose. Okay. Know, princess yes. is not the fairest in the world. Yeah, life. yes, no, she's you know? like, the, she's <laughs> yeah. the plucky princess who doesn't, she yes. don't need no prince. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's now become like a very popular trope. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. the, the princess doesn't need a prince, but I would. You were I'm out very, in front on this, you know, I'm when this book first came able, out. Yeah, to be able to yeah. be one of those. You but know? now it really is, I'm sure the girl power, because I've caught up with right. it very much, and it's right in, and funny thing, it's, it, it couldn't be more contemporary now. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, but I still want to remain ahead. That's why I have characters in the new Courageous Princess mm -hmm. that are even more out there. So know? now there's a new, this is, now you mentioned there's, uh, there was a sequel that's already come out. Oh, yeah. So how many, how many parts of the book are there? There's now three parts. Three parts, okay. It's a trilogy. So okay. These, these things mm. come in threes now. That's, that's fine. Well, that's fine with me. So I'm like, okay, yeah. let's make them three. You know. So, so the third episode is to come? Yes. Oh, in yeah. December. In December. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah. Oh. So it'll be, you know, it'll be the final episode, which is called the Dragon Queen. Oh, okay. Because you, know? you got to, all fairy tales have to have the evil queen. Absolutely, say, oh, absolutely. Even mine. You know, <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a fascination for evil queens. So a lot of my stories have like uh. this evil villainous, you know. That sure. you can kind of like, you know, they all have like their sympathetic angle. Well, can you can you give us uh, any sense of, of Volume Three without, you know, obviously without giving any spoilers away? Oh, can I do Volume Two first? Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Don't let well, me get ahead of you. Yeah, Volume Two deals with her, you know, because we, if you recall, in Volume One, she she decides that if nobody's going to rescue her because right. she's not the fair right. land, right? You know, she's going to escape herself, right? You know, which kind of totally blindsides the evil dragon. He's right. like, oh, nobody's ever done that before. So he's furious. He's yeah. furious and he has to yes. look for her, right? And that's whole, her whole adventure is trying to run away from the dragon. Right. Trying right. to find a safe place to yeah. hide and uh, make more friends to aid her in her escape. Okay. You know? So we kind of ended there with her, like, facing off with a dragon. Okay, great. Epic, epic confrontation. Right. And that's where and, my reading leaves off. So I actually yeah. haven't heard seen it. So book, book two actually... Uh, uh, takes from there and continues a journey now mm -hmm. that she's like oh yeah i'm refreshed i'm rested mm -hmm. you know now i can go home right but of course i throw a wrench in there now there you go you know you gotta have the twist you gotta, you gotta keep have, a story going you gotta have the, <laughs> in between those two books pixar became big so i learned a lot about ah. how to plot things you know very because cool in pixar's like plan a seems to work there. and then it falls to pieces yes. <laughs> so i said okay i have to have her plan a seem to work yeah. which is going home and then that falls to pieces and now she actually has to make a conscious decision to go back into the unremembered lands, ah. into the land of monsters, and uh, rescue someone else. All right. Well, Oddly enough, to rescue the, the princess, <laughs> to rescue there you her. Go. Well, okay, you know, great. Well, that prince... was, that's all I can reveal. Oh, right. that's good. That's that's enough. <laughs> that's enticing enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great. And and volume three is that too? It was volume is it too three, much to talk about. Yeah, volume two is the. I'm taking another template from classic culture mm -hmm. here. Right. And it happens to be here, which is Star Wars. Great. Okay. Volume 2 is sort of like the Empire Strikes Back okay. of, that, yeah. of, of the trilogy. Mm -hmm. So now you got them. Your heroes are in a bad place. You know, she's now in the deep clutches of the the, the new the new villain, you know. Okay, <laughs> you great. Know? So the new villain's like, oh, this is the moment of triumph. And book 3 kind of shows you how all that unravels great. over time. Yeah. And you'll see her going head-to-head -head with a villain. Which she cannot defeat, like just by escaping or whatever. She's tried that. Yeah. Actually, she's tried that, and the villain just goes, "No, nah, you're not doing that." Yeah. You know. So, so it's it's a total battle of wits. 
and she get up, she gets advised by the worst fairy godmother in the world. Okay. <laughs> now she it. has to do that. She has the <laughs> suckiest fairy godmother in the world. You know, but she, her fairy godmother is like, okay, if you're gonna defeat this villain, you gotta be like three steps ahead. You know, you cannot underestimate your your new nemesis kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, that's great. I love the way you take all of these like tropes and yes, like yeah. expected kind of story paths from classic. Exactly, and you turn yeah. them around a little. You turn exactly. them around a little bit. That yeah. sounds really, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I said like I would. I've been fascinated with your with your storytelling mm -hmm. and your drawing style. Um, since uh, um, Neotopia, uh, could, could you tell us a little bit about your background? You're Filipino. Yes, uh, yes, I am. Tell us yeah. about your, uh, your well, training and how you got into comics. Yeah, I grew up in the Philippines, and I've always, you know, even to my earliest days, I still have those childhood drawings. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. and, and now it amazes me that they're in a terabyte hard drive. Nah. That I actually have it in this bag right here. You know. So you carry your life yeah. to work around with? Exactly. Yeah. And literally, I carry yeah. all a copy, one copy of mm. all my work up to date. Interesting. Like up yeah. to the last week, yeah. you know. And then there's copies like there's another terabyte at home. There's another terabyte in the office. So that's kind of my cloud, you know. Tech oh, There you go. Technology makes it all possible. Exactly. So um, anyway. I've always wanted to draw, and I've been influenced by the pop culture movies. Mm -hmm. Whenever I came out of a movie, I would draw like the, the uh -huh. elements in that movie over and over again. So that's why the, that developed my love for science fiction, fantasy, mm -hmm. the Mad Max scenario. That's why I, I kind of love the dystopian future too. Mm -hmm. In fact, Utopia was sort of like that, slightly mm -hmm. dystopian. But then I said, it begins with this whole the paradise being threatened again. Yeah by the old regime, you know, that was my thing, you know, so. Well, Neotopia for me was so uh, in, engaging, uh, your your sense of technology, the flying okay. ships, there was a great sense of fantasy, and also your color, which is so dazzling, you know, it, oh, it just really brings you into the book. That was a, that was an influence of heavy metal. Oh, really? European uh -huh. artists, you uh -huh. know. I got exposed to the Japanese anime, mm -hmm. and I grew up watching those, mm -hmm. which is why I don't flinch with the like semi-adult themes, mature themes. That's not mm -hmm. saying adult, mature themes in like children's uh, literature. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of anime was like that, yeah. like divorces and parents. Do you consider you know? yourself a manga artist? I know that I word it floats around, yeah. so I was just curious. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, because manga just means it just comics. Means comic, sure. You know, in yeah. Japanese. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, sure. Yeah. Definitely. Well, but your with, style obviously reflects that. Yeah, and I'm trying to that, get yeah. some influences of European in there. That's mm -hmm. why I love their sense of color. Mm -hmm. The way the landscapes. Mm -hmm. They do the yes. landscapes. I love that. Mm -hmm. So, I try to do that. And, of course, I try to reference a lot of my, my work. You know. Mm -hmm. Which is why the, the castle in, like, uh, Neotopia was actually... You know, influenced by uh, Potala Palace in the in Tibet. Oh, you know, really? That Tibetan ah, monastery uh -huh. thing there. Uh -huh. I said, ah, my palace got to look like that. Yeah. With a waterfall and a dam yeah, yeah. underneath. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's got a mega structure kind of thing about that. And I love doing that, which is why going back to Greatest Princess mm -hmm. Part Two, I said I gotta have like an even bigger castle. And we're going to have the villain castle to end all villain castles. I love it. And then, of course, you have to climb the beanstalk to end all beanstalks. Okay. <laughs> because I spent so much time just around the base of the beanstalk. Mm -hmm. And then her whole climb is not a day. Mm -hmm. Like, I expressed the, the fact that there's days. She, take, uh, she, she okay. and her team take days to climb a beanstalk. And then, uh, you know, you're rained on, you know, mm -hmm. lightning flashes. And then you, 
you know, you re reach a level in the beanstalk where the birds started living there. I love it. So, you, you know, so you've really taken the beanstalk to a whole other exactly. place. Yeah. yeah, like you said, there's like an ecology sort yeah. of, you know, mm -hmm. like wouldn't animals live there now, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and the beanstalk actually li leads up to the cows in the sky. Right? I see. Right. So when did you that. break into comets? Uh, I was in my 20s, mm -hmm. like I was at 22 or so like that. Mm -hmm. And I was on an advertising job. Uh -huh. That's what I trained for. I'm an advertising uh -huh. artist. And, sure. You know, so I, I still wanted to do comics. Mm -hmm. So I did comics on the side. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm such a bad employee. I, I'm <laughs> You're using your time for the drug comics. Well, not, not on the job, but <laughs> okay. you know, like I would, well, yeah, but <laughs> I would want to put out the wrong impression. Yeah, okay. But, right. but, uh, but on my free time, I would draw comics. Yes. And then, uh, you know, it dawned on me, like, oh, well, I should do this full time. Mm -hmm. you know, I should try anyway. Mm -hmm. So thereby happened this pattern of I would get a job, mm -hmm. make money. When I saved enough money, I would quit and then pursue comics. When I ran out of money pursuing comics, which all, you know, it happens. Invariably yes, happens, know. I guess. Yeah. So, so you get a job again mm -hmm. to build up your savings. And that became a pattern, like, about two times, uh -huh. you know. And then finally, I just stopped and said, "Okay, I'll just I'll just find a regular job and then just do it." And then that was around the time I moved to the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So when I moved to the U.S., and I said, "Okay, uh, now I can like I do comics full time," you know. Um, and and it all it, it came at a very weird time because I was in the U.S., but my papers weren't fully finished yet. Mm -hmm. So you know how we are with immigration and everything. Yeah, right. So I, I can't get a job. So I'm like, all right, might as well just draw comics, right? <laughs> I mean, what do I gotta lose, right? So I started doing, doing comics at this time, and you know, at first it was like short, mm -hmm. ten pages, mm -hmm. or sometimes four pages. I would take any job, like okay, some guy was self-publishing down the street. I'm like, hey, how are you? Hey, can I do? Can I do a backup story in the back of your oh, comics? Great. Uh -huh. And I only did it for free. Mm -hmm. So I said, that's here. You just take it, you know. And then, so um, I still have that one. So I, I, I know you've got your terabyte, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I have a copy of all the comic books that I've ever done. Like, so even if I just showed up, like, in two, two pages, I would keep that comic book, and, and there would be binders of it in my ah. So when I look at that, I'm like, okay, I've gone, this is how far I've gone, so I should feel happy for myself, kind of like cheers you on. And where did Neotopia come in? Was that, a, was that was that your first major work or no? Uh, my first major work was Courageous Princess. The first oh, well, that was the first one? Oh, yes. actually, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. I thought, actually, for some reason, I guess I thought Neotopia yeah. came first. No. Yeah. Huh? Um, so uh, Courageous Princess came first. After I did the Courageous Princess, and I had a sort of like a Star Wars New Hope ending, because mm -hmm. I didn't think it would be made again. Yeah. So I had, I had to put an ending to it that's nice enough, you know, like satisfying enough and yet leave a little cliffhanger yeah <laughs> you know that, 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 that there's possibly more to come if it if another publisher wants it or whatever mm -hmm. if you yeah. want to continue it so anyway um utopia i started working in utopia because i said well i gotta have go do this fantasy thing you know um i've seen the I guess it's steampunk before it was steampunk, mm -hmm. you know, because it had the yeah, flying ships. Yeah, in many ships. ways, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. It had the flying ships, it had the muskets, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, but and of it, course the muskets fired lasers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it had a, when you look at the utopia, really, it's, it is a dystopian future. Yes. Because it's set in the future, but people have learned how to live environmentally responsible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why they use all the airships, mm -hmm. right? And uh, somebody wants to return things to the age of heavy industry. Right. Because that's... That's the one that the world that they know best, you know. That's yeah. the world that they dominated, really. 
and they're now looking for the last source of like a fossil fuels you know mm -hmm. available in that planet you know so that's a basic core concept okay. of it uh, but but I was looking and uh, one of the uh, one of the things that influenced me with the, with the, with the airships was going to an actual balloon launch you know those balloon uh -huh. regattas uh -huh. and uh, when I saw it it blew my mind away yeah. mm -hmm. because it's like okay now there's like balloons shaped like hot dogs mm -hmm. elephants you know so I'm like, oh, you can make them in a shape. Yeah. Know? So that's that got me thinking that my futuristic airships, and I, I still kind of smirk to myself, satisfactory, self-satisfying, that I'm like seeing like the blimp airship, like yeah, mine are better. <laughs> there you, you know? go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a wee bit, wee bit. Well, I don't want to get too high. Well, high, I love this notion of the past as being the future too. So I mean, that's, that's true. you know, it's, it's yeah. very clever. So my airship designs, I got yeah. to be modern, you mm -hmm. know. And I did the airship, the end all airships too. You remember the remember the giant cruise oh, ship? Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> I said I gotta have like before the Oasis of the Seas came out. I designed something as massive as yeah, that. Yeah, and you had some amazing layouts, as I recall uh, in the oh, book too. Yes, I, yeah. I have to go but, back and look at listen, look at it again. But, but I do remember you really being very yeah. impressed. So so I said I gotta have like the, the equivalent of the cruise ship, something that massive with huge sails because I was very conscious about okay somebody if this thing is going to fly it's got to have like the balloons a mile high yeah you know mm -hmm. which I did you know yeah. I yeah. fitted it in so it's got to be the, the science got to hold up you know so uh, so I had fun a lot of fun designing that world and, and in fact if I could go back to that world now and redesign more stuff now that I more know more things about the steampunk genre because uh -huh. I didn't know even the word steampunk back then but apparently this this term has been floating around since oh, the yeah. 60s mm -hmm. or something. So I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, well, once again, you're like right there before right, right people there, knew right? it. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's sort of like, now that I'm working on the Steampunk Fairy Tales, it's sort of like going back to uh, the So is that another project beyond uh, Courageous Princess? Yeah. 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 So. yeah I, that's an ongoing one uh -huh. because that's a series of one-shots. They're oh, easy okay. to do, you yeah. know. Uh, Snow White was like a four-year pager. It depends. Mm -hmm. it, it, they, they take as long as they need to. Uh, like the latest one was Steampunk Snow Queen. Mm -hmm. You know the one that uh, Frozen. Yeah, I have, actually haven't seen these, so yeah. I'm really curious to hear to oh, see the yeah. other the other work. You know, as I said, I sort of lost track of you for some reason, yeah. and so um, and, and then I, I looked you up on Wikipedia when I decided, well, I really want to get a chance to talk. To right. You. Yeah. So I am really I am really interested to see what the other things you're doing as yeah. well, along with uh, Courageous Prince. Yeah, we can chat more at the booth if you like. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have all the work there I show you yeah. all right so yeah anyway look I think this is great it's really been a pleasure oh, to talk yeah. to you and thank you so much for being on more to come oh you're you're welcome you're welcome I hope it didn't bore you too much about no it. not at all no this is great we'll uh and we'll we're going to be posting these up on online every day of comic-con all right thanks all right. right thank you so much all right you're welcome hello welcome to more to come publishers weekly's podcast of graphic novel and comic book news we're at Comic-Con Day 87, uh, or hour 900,000, I don't know anymore, So, but we're plugging on, we're staying hydrated, um, and here I am with Kevin Shinnick, who is a writer, actor, producer, polymath, nice guy, uh, so I, he, well, he does so many different things, where I don't know how we're going to cover them all, but uh, his main thing uh, that he's here at Comic-Con for is that he, he wrote a movie, yes. right? And, um, you know, which many people have done, but has anyone ever written Kiss meets Scooby-Doo before? <laughs> 
You know, people said to me, was it odd to bring these two characters together? And I thought, odd? How, how have we not done this before? <laughs> to be honest, this yes. Is, you know, I, I think... You know, I wrote this script, I think, subconsciously decades ago as a kid. Now, when they hired me, it, was, it just poured out of me. So, right, that's right. why I'm here. One of the reasons I'm here this year uh, is because we had a panel with Kiss to talk about the animated feature. It's the first time that Kiss has been an animated feature with Scooby-Doo. Um, and, like I said, it's two, so, two great icons that blended beautifully together. Right, you know. Uh, so, yeah, how did you how did you get this gig? You know, I um, I worked for Warner Brothers because I had created Mad, which was an animated sketch comedy show based on the Mad magazine. Right, that we all that's right, of course. Um, and while I was doing that, I guess Warner Brothers reached out to Kiss and said, would you guys be interested? And they, they were as big of fans as, as I am of Scooby-Doo, and they were like, absolutely. Yeah. So once that happened, it was funny, because there are certain projects, you know, as you mentioned, I'm, I got a lot of things going on, I'm very busy, and it's kind of like, ah, uh, I don't always have time for things. And when they said, well, it's Scooby-Doo, I was like, yes, yes, I'm, I will change yes, whatever. Like, yeah, you would, you would have, you know, torn off somebody's arm absolutely, to get to that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, so, so how... Uh, is it out yet? Is it coming out? When you is can the... get it digitally now. They just released it digitally on the 10th. What's today? Is it the 10th? Uh, I think it's the 11th. All right, so well, maybe yesterday. yesterday. Yes. And it comes on Blu-ray and DVD July 21st. Okay, so imminent, imminent. Um, yeah, so what's what's it about? Uh, is it a searing drama of identity? Yeah, it's exactly and... what you want. A lot of character <laughs> drama. No, you know what? It's so funny. People say to me, um, they I think comparisons to, if you're a Kiss fan, you know there was that... Uh, I don't want to say ill-fated, but that infamous kiss in the Phantom of the Amusement Park. Oh no, Kevin! I saw that when I was a small child, and it was one of the greatest nights of my life. Of course, it was. <laughs> um, however, even my small child inner self knew there were certain things missing from that movie, and so I guess I took it upon myself to think if I had a second chance at doing something like that. And both these movies take place in an amusement park because it makes sense. Of course. Oh you know, my God! So it's a callback. So it's not, it, it, there are there are little things in there that can be little Easter eggs. Um, wow! But it is it's a standalone. It doesn't recall any of that. However, the band is the band, and you know I, I call back to that. I call back to the comic books they've done because I essentially pr- made them. I didn't make them superheroes. They are superheroes, right. but I made them superheroes. I fulfilled that wish right. and put them on the screen in animation. Right. That's so cool. You know, just. Uh, yeah, I, when I did watch Kiss Me's the Fandom, of and you know, my grandmother who was there was not too keen about watching it, but I was like, oh, please, I want to watch this, I want to watch this. And then she watched it because she always had to get involved. And then afterwards, I said, what did you think? She said, I think it's meant for very small children. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, burn, burn. We didn't call it burns then. That's but so uh, funny. yes, well, I, I you know, you know, I guess in hindsight it was, but the good thing about this, <laughs> but we were small. We were small. <laughs> the good thing about this, though, is now we're grown. Yeah, and I've tried to write a movie that I think adults and kids alike will enjoy. If right. you're a Scooby fan, this is definitely a movie for you. If you're a Kiss fan, this is absolutely a movie for you. Right. Um, what I like about it is that it kind of rolls out like a typical Scooby Doo, and then just kind of goes off the rails, right. Right. as Kiss does on Austin. <laughs> right. Often. Now, had you ever written Scooby Doo characters? No, I've never written Scooby Doo before. Um, you know, I'm also from Robot Chicken, so right. I touch upon a lot of uh, pop culture icons, but I'd never written Scooby Doo. Always a fan of Scooby. Do you know? I mean, that was a staple when I came home after school. You know, four thirty, pop it on. But of course. so, so like I said, when this came, it was like I've been waiting all these years to get this call. Right? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, we'll, we'll definitely all be checking that out. Now, you mentioned Robot Chicken. Right. Now, so which is the fifteen minutes of anarchy yes. that airs chaos. A, absolute insane chaos. 
uh, uh, that airs on Adult Swim. So you have penned another another yes, crossover our, special. It's true. This is our third Robot Chicken DC comic special. Right. We've had a lot of success with the first two. And in some ways, I really do, I know you say these things, but I really do feel we got bigger and better with this one because, as I like to point out to comic fans, it's like the infinite, the crisis of on infinite earths of robot chicken specials because <laughs> we, have, we have mined all the comedy gold from this universe and now we've broken through to parallel universes. Oh boy. We've opened up portals and brought in characters you haven't seen in a long time or at least didn't want to see for a so long Grant time. So Grant Morrison will be well involved <laughs> in this, right? <laughs> Maybe just mystically. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, yeah, the multiverse. Yeah, how do you, um, yeah, how do you, I mean, obviously a robot chicken is the humor is very anarchic. Yeah. Uh, yes. And how do you? I don't know. I mean, sometimes when you can do anything, you can't do anything. It's true. It's true. Um, you know, I noticed that mostly when I, you know, I, I was on Robot Chicken. Those guys are family. I always stay around to the specials. I'm co executive producer on that, as well as a writer and all that stuff. But when I went to create Mad, it was kind of that it, it, they had more parameters. They wanted this to be more for a prime time audience. But it was kind of refreshing too. It was kind of like, all right, well, I, I can be funny. I don't have to be as chaotic and blue as as I am on Robot Chicken. And so, in some ways, you know, I enjoy that humor just as much. Right. But uh, when we're writing Robot Chicken, it is it is really just the personalities in the room. You know, we're all eclectic tastes. We all we all argue. We all get along. And, and it all comes out on the paper. Right. Well, it is a little bit based, I know, on... Um well, probably this is uh, illegal for me to say this, but probably very again, yes, yes, uh, action figure theater, which was uh, you know back in the day before people realized that there were copyrights involved in all these things, or they just didn't care as much, I guess. You know, you, you could do things with action figures. So, right. and it was really just that idea of what you do with your friends. Yeah. When absolutely. you're hanging out with the action figures, you're making them say dumb yeah. crap to each other. Right. Well, some of the original writers on Robot Chicken, the creators, were from Wizard Magazine right. and Toy Fair Theater. So, right. you know, it all, it all kept it the same world. Right, right. Now, you mentioned Mad, the, mm -hmm. the cartoon version of Mad, and, um, you know, that's also... Uh, I... You know, people love Mad Men, obviously. Everybody But it is, although I will say, I'm, I often ask that, you know what the longest running comic at, you know, DC is? And they're like, oh, well, you know, action or whatever. It's like, right. no. Or, that's the longest running, the best-selling. Best-selling. Uh, uh, Actually, Mad is, uh, it was for a long yes, time. Yes, yes, uh, And of course, you know, the amazing, amazing talents, iconic, you know, yes. legends. So, yeah. So how did you how did you approach that as a cartoon? I mean, it seemed like a natural, but was it? Well, you know what's funny, and you say the Legends, that's exactly what they are. And what really made, gave this a stamp of approval for me was the fact that I had people like Sergio Aragones, who, still, who has been with the magazine since almost the incarnation right, of it, right. drawing sketches and sending them to me. And so we incorporated all of the original guys. Don Martin is no longer with us, but his work was in there. Uh, Peter Cooper, who's the current spy versus spy, he, you know, we used his storylines. Right. And um, Tom Richmond, who's like the current Mort Drucker of, of the magazine, right. used his style too right. so we kept it very uh, true to life with Mad Magazine because I'm getting away from your question which was how, how it happened but it's really it, it seems natural again a natural fit because Mad TV was called Mad TV but it really wasn't I didn't find it to be connected I thought no. it, was, it was more of a sister of SNL than it was and animation seems to match that world so much better so it was it was more chaos you know and Mad Magazine is a perfect place for that and in a way you know Mad Magazine is like the mother of all parodies it really is and then we all followed it Robot right. Chicken all you know every 
everybody. Yeah. And in some ways, I was happy to push that spotlight back onto Matt because they are so important and they are still around. Yeah. And so, you know, it was nice to get a new audience. Yeah. I mean, again, I I, uh, I check out the actually their blog every once in a while, and they have some hilarious. Stuff they do. On there. Those guys are yeah. hilarious. And, and I mean, I you know, I used to work at DC, and you know. Uh, they're, they're, they're John and you know they're not they've been around a long time and there's Sam Viviano damn they're still funny I hope I they do I know I read from them just this time I always see them here it's always so good to yeah, see them yeah they're, they are truly legends of their own way so no, but uh, now forgive my ignorance though nope. I mean it's not on anymore right or correct you, it went 105 episodes and I don't even wow okay I need to read more so <laughs> or watch more TV yeah exactly it went, it went four seasons which was 105 episodes um, and yeah, it was a blast. Um, yeah. You know, things happen, you have to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, it's all, it was my baby, and right. I, I just love right. so much. Right. Wow. Well, well uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, all right. Anyway, I'll move on from my embarrassment here. But, <laughs> no, but, no. You, but you are set. No, you're, but you are very busy. You do voices as I well, do, yeah. right? Yeah. You do acting, too. Yeah. You, yeah, you I do. did an episode of Rizzoli and Isles two days ago. Oh, so the it's like, you great know, Rizzoli and Isles, exactly. yes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Lacey. Now, why day. are you so busy? Um, <laughs> a lot of ADD, maybe? Yeah. No, I don't know. Um, I just like to do a lot of things okay. because I think it... it Oddly enough, the more things I have to do, I think the calmer I stay, which is the opposite of most people, because if the acting isn't going at the speed I want it to, I can be like, no worries, I got so many of these things to work on. If I'm at writer's block on this, I say, all right, no worries, I got my write, my comics I can do. Right, so right, it, right. it shifts the anxiety. Right, right. Well, that's amazing that you're able to you know, continue on with all of them. Now, you have written comics as well. Yes, yes just I have. Static, static images? Yeah, yes, exactly. No, I was very fortunate I've written... Um, for Spider-Man, Avenging Spider-Man, I took over for Superior Spider-Man team-up last year, and uh, I'll just name of the comics I've done now. Um, I had a miniseries called um, uh, Superior Carnage, and then last year I finished up with a comic called Axis Hobgoblin, which was nominated for uh, Best Miniseries of 2014, so wow. I was really excited wow. about it. Wow, well, okay, so so yeah, so uh, what's, um, you know, what's your favorite, do you have a dream comic to write, or are they you know, all... It's, 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 so weird because I've been so fortunate. I don't take this lightly. That the first comic I ever get, my, my two favorite heroes growing up were Batman and Spider-Man. Right. The first DC comic I ever got to write was Batman. The first Marvel comic I ever got to write was Spider-Man. So I, I'm just beside myself. Yo, how is this guy? I'm beginning to wonder what like his, his rabbit's foot is. <laughs> I know. Yes, I'm, I'm, I have no idea what it is. I, I make a joke. I yeah. jinx myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. You know, you, you work with good people and you do good work and you and you just try and make life enjoyable for everybody right. and I think we all gravitate towards people that we like to work with and, and, and we've got a nice collection of friends who will right. all come together well people uh, uh, you know people in comics um, I'm in comics obviously and I stay here I, I do say that people are pretty awesome I mean just even talking really and just talking even like Sergio you know Aragonas yeah. I mean there really has never been anyone who's like I've never been anyone smarter or more creative absolutely or, absolutely and yeah. such a his stories he's got the greatest stories you know yeah. I can just sit and talk to him and his accent I, got, yeah. I can talk to him for hours I know and uh, yeah he literally and he's also like even with you saying you know when he did this for the TV show it's like then you talk to him it's like oh yes when I did the other TV show like yeah. 
back in 1962. Yeah, it's like, I know. It's I like, know. oh yeah. It's true. You're like, oh my God, he's been around forever. He's worked yeah. constantly. Talk I, about a busy guy. Yeah, right. I right exactly. So what's uh, so what's a, a, a dream project for you though? What's a dream project? You know, it's it's tough to say, and I, I know I always fall flat when I'm asked that question. But I will say this, and it's it's a cliche to say it's not. The destination is the journey. But when I look back at the things I'm most proud of, I had, I did not see any of them coming. You know, I definitely have dreams. I want to do more features. I've got my own projects, my own stories and IPs that I want to get out there. But the things that I look back and be like, wow, I, I didn't set out to do that. It just came from left field, and I'm so happy that, you know, I was involved in it. So right, right. I don't look too far ahead other than what I'm working on right, right now. Right, right. Have you come to Comic-Con all the time? All or? The time. Right. I mean, professionally, I've been coming for over a decade. But as a fan, I've been coming for right. ever since. I was a kid. Are you having a good time this year? I'm a great time. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just so much fun, you know. I mean, it's gotten to a point now where though it's 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 not just about the merchandise and the comics. These people have become family, you right. know. And it's like it's even true. though some of them live down the block, I see them more frequently here than I do I in real life. I know it is. It's really kind of overwhelming when you realize you come here, and, you know, as I'm sure with yourself, just the people that you work with and the people. Yeah. Admire, yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, this is awesome. And uh, you know, do you have any comics projects that are upcoming that um, you want to talk comic, about? Uh, not comic books per se, but I wrote an episode. Uh, Marvel's Avengers Assemble is an animated series that sure. just got renewed for another season, and I wrote an episode on that, which which mirrors a really classic story from the comics. So I'm excited for that to premiere. Okay, well, there you go. So the busy, busy world of Kevin Shinnick, and so check him out on Resilient Isles. Check him out <laughs> in the comics. Check him out on Robot Chicken. And most important of all, check out Kiss meets Scooby-Doo. Yes, Deer. you can follow. I also have a Twitter account you can check out. It's at Kevin Shinnick. I keep everybody up to date Okay, there. I, I, I'm racing to follow it right now. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Of course, thank you. Hi, this is Heidi McDonald, uh, live from the floor of Comic-Con. We're into day two, and we're still standing. Well, I'm sitting right now. I'm sitting with Marisa Acasella Marchetto, and uh, she... Did I pronounce your name right? It's Marisa Acasella Marchetto. Marchetto. Oh, you got the Marisa. I, 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 I did that, part, that, but I got the C's wrong, so I apologize. Okay, right. So, anyway, uh, it is Comic-Con. We're strugglers. Um, but uh, Marisa has uh, a new graphic novel coming out, uh, Antenna, coming out this fall. And now it's been a while. You it's got, been a while. you got eight years for this right time. now, right? So you did Cancer Vixen, and and which was a great success. And then what happened? What happened was I basically took eight years to write this book. It's an idea I had for twenty, and it took me. Eight years to write this. I don't know why it took me eight years, but I worked really, really hard on it, and uh, I'm really happy it's out now. It's like giving birth for eight years. <laughs> now, did you spend eight years working on the idea, or drawing it, or writing it? I mean, what 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 was the process like for that time? Well, okay, the process was I had, six, I pay, I had it was actually 600 pages and written and drawings and then it kept gradually getting smaller and smaller and smaller and then more pictures and until it was a full on graphic novel and that happened like a year or two ago and now here we are right right well uh, again it's coming out is it September right yeah in September okay. and I have to say even drawing it it took me 10 months working 18 19 hours a day wow well it's a beautiful book it's in Thank full you. color and yeah. I, I mean you even hand lettered it and, and uh, as, as you'll and, but there's a very distinctive distinctive font in there. 
Yes, I created the Super Ann Fund. Yeah, yeah. And even doing that was like a process. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I love every minute. Well, of it's it. it is obviously a very personal work. Um, and I, it's interesting that you say it was came to you. It, you had the idea for so long because um, well, let, let's you. What what is, what is Antenna about? Antenna is about a venal gossip columnist who dies because of her own bad behavior gets sent up to another dimension and meets her higher self, Super Ann. Mm-hmm. And they bicker and barter, and Super Ann gives her a deal. If you do this certain thing, you can come back to Earth. Even though she doesn't really want to, it's kind of like she's forced to. Right, right. So it is It is a story of redemption, It's I guess. a story of redemption. It's, a, it's got humor. It's got karma. It's got fashion. It's yeah. got gossip. It's all about energy, right. mostly about karma, and it's funny. Right, it is, which all, all of the above, I would agree. Um, but what's interesting is that, um, like you mentioned that Anne is a gossip columnist, and uh, I would never have guessed that you'd had this idea for so long, because so much of it is about the current social media and texting, and, you know, let's face it, that we didn't have those 20 years ago. You know, we didn't have those 20 years ago, but 20 years ago, she was a gossip columnist, and she was a teen, she was a tween, I almost did a web series, and then the people I was doing the web series with, that's when the dot-com thing exploded, so that fell apart. And then I started working on something else, which became Cancer Vixen, so, and now here we are. Right, oh, so so this has already been through, the story has already been through a little bit of the first dot-com. Yeah, I've been, it's been through the first dot-com, it's kind of funny, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. But now it's like, I feel like I'm really glad that it's came out now because I think it's really timely and there's all these different issues with social media and being over-mediated and, you know, how do you want to communicate? I think, and what kind of a person do you want to be? I feel like this is really relevant right now. Oh, absolutely. That's why I'm saying it surprised me because it seemed like that would have been the inspiration for the story. You no, know? it really... You know, actually, the inspiration for the story was being diagnosed with a life-threatening illness yes. and then thinking about how do you want to live your life? Is this the way you want to... the kind of person you want to be? What do you want to do to change yourself and how do you change your karma? Because maybe we weren't, like, the nicest person. I wasn't saying I was a bad person, but I really thought about, like, what kind of person I wanted... how I wanted to leave the planet now when my expiration date got extended. Right, right. Now, did you find that, um, you know, the character of Anne, I mean, uh, do you do you use social media yourself? Are you a user? Or are you a... I'm a user. Yeah? And how have you... I mean, we were joking. I've been joking with so many of the people I've been talking to for this podcast because some have no social media at all and don't even own an iPhone, you know, a smartphone. And, you know, we were joking about how, I, I, I mean, honestly, even when I, I think when I met you for the first time after Cancer Vixen came out, you know, I did not have an iPhone and just how it's changed our life. So how have you, did you embrace it? Did you reluctantly embrace it or? You know what? Actually, I was on Twitter right when it happened. I was doing that and then... I reluctantly got on Facebook. I'm not too thrilled with it. I just recently started doing Instagram. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm doing it. I actually am having fun with it, but then I'm hating. It's like self-hating, self, 
you know, loving, hating it at the same time. It's got that love-hate technology right. thing. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I did see you were you were uh, tweeting from here from the show, though. I mean, for these kind of events, it's I, I guess it's like it was really fun to do that. I actually had a blast here since I did pop my cherry, yeah. my San Diego Comic Con cherry here this time. <laughs> now, now, Marisa, I do imagine you've been to some glamorous events in your life, uh, leading the glamorous life of the editorial cartoonist. Um, oh yes, it's so glamorous. <laughs> it is. I'm it is. At my, at my drawing board wearing sweatpants. Yeah. Well, we, we don't. You know, we pretend that's not. I, I will have to say, I wish I. Had, I will take a photo because you are not wearing sweatpants right now. You're wearing glorious gold lame pants, and they're they're. I'm so. Holographic sneakers. Well, I'm wearing holographic sneakers. She's definitely ready for ComCon. So, what were your thoughts, though? I mean, you know, not coming here. What was your? You know, were you excited? Were you dreading it? No, I was totally excited about coming to Comic Con. I feel this is such a great place to be. There's so much energy. The explosion of creativity is totally inspirational. It makes you want to go back and draw faster and get a book out faster yeah. than eight years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I love every minute of it. And it's really funny to me that, you know, everybody's got, not everybody, there are a lot of people here who color their hair wild colors. And it's like super normal is a new normal here. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And uh, like the, just the fashion, I mean, this woman just walked by wearing a, a Starry Night dress, and you know, now it's it's followed by so many cat ears or Batman here. No, here comes Captain of, America. Yeah, there's a lot of, I see, I've seen a few Captain Americas, I've seen a lot of cat ear hair, cat, cat ears, I've seen a lot of like starry things, which I love, <laughs> I love the universe. I'm all about the universe. Yeah, and um, yeah, but the co- the hair color thing. I know. I like that lavender. The lavender color. That's the color du jour. I think. So. I think the lavender is pretty awesome. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I think it'll look good on you. Actually, I, I might. I don't know. We'll see. We'll I see. Think, I, I, I think thought the of ends maybe. Like yeah. ombre. Could oh. be awesome. Actually, what do you think? I you're really reading my mind. You, yeah, because really? I because you know hair grows back, right? Hopefully, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's yes, yes. So you can you know try some things. Um, so I, I, you know, you still do cartoons for the New Yorker, right, mm-hmm. and other yeah. magazines. I mean, it's a dwindling market, though, right? It's a dwindling market that New Yorker. I mean, yeah, well, it's I mean, just a New no... Yorker. There's no real outlets. You got to create your own, right? Now, is that one of the reasons why you kind of went to a graphic novel? You know what, this is my third graphic novel. I wrote my first one 20 years ago. Right. And um, it's to see the transition, to see what happened in those 20 years. When I first wrote Just Who the Hell Is She Anyway, people were like, what, what kind of a book is that? I'm like, it's a graphic novel. What is that called? And now I have people asking me, you know, hey, I have this thing I, I wrote. Do you want to draw it? I'm like, no, I do my own stuff. I'm like, you know, no, I don't. You go to art school. You learn how to draw. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, would you, would you, do you want to do more? You know, that don't take eight years? Or? Yeah, I do. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. I, really, I love it. It's like, I feel like this is the greatest format for me. I feel like I'm at the top of my game right now. I feel like Antenna's the best thing I ever did. I'm wow. like really happy with it. Wow. And I love doing this. I love doing it. I love the process. I love coming to Comic-Con. I love seeing you. Yeah, I know. It's, I said, we live in the same town, so it's sad we have to come a few thousand miles, but that, it's often how it goes in here. Um, 
So did you, with the story of Antenna, were there, like, I mean, it sounds like it had such a long process, but were there any, like, story ideas or elements that, that you know, you developed along the way that, that you hadn't really thought originally that, um, and then it was like, aha, because she has kind of this cast of characters. It is definitely interesting. Uh, you know, there's she has a best friend and she has an assistant, and yeah, they're all mostly female characters. You know, she has a some love interest, and a lot of people turned out to be not quite what she expected they were. I know. I think it's something. There's something to me about discerning who's good, who's not, who's going to be in your life, who isn't, and her antenna really isn't that developed, even though she thinks it is. Mm-hmm. And it's that battle between Anne and Super Anne that is, was really interesting to me. Um, but I guess the boyfriend character, the photographer, that was developed, and I thought that you know, the cat photographer. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, that's a great job, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought that would be kind of an interesting... And then there was... Her sister, who speaks in text, mm-hmm. right. you know that was fun to write. I mean, there's like a lot of fun characters, and the angels. Yes, they got developed because there's like a biker chick, space cowgirl, messenger angel who slays demons, and then there's the lipstick angel. I mean, the, those two were really fun to. Yeah. Those were especially fun to draw. Right. Well, you know, I, I it's also amazing what you just said about development. I mean, I'm sure 20 years ago when you did your first graphic novel. Um, who the hell is does she think she is? Right? Who the hell is she anyway? I, yes, who is? Sorry, it's, it's, right. it's con brain. But um, con brain. If you had done, well, I I don't even say if. It's like when you did a graphic novel that was mainly maybe of interest to, to women readers. People must have thought you were effing crazy. They did think I was crazy. They didn't know. You know, nobody knew what to do with this book. Mm-hmm. And now it's like. You know, everybody wants to do graphic novels. Yeah, but I, and also just the female readership. I mean, I, I you know we're sitting here, there are young women are coming up at the booth. Uh, I mean, no one would question it now, right? Nobody would. I mean, nobody would question it. Before it was like, oh, they get made in Japan. It's like samurais. And now it's like, and now it's like, um, you know, women are buying graphic novels. I love it. I think yeah, it's great. It is. It's amazing. And and the funny thing is. Uh, very unsurprisingly, now that women are reading comics, sales are going up. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny how that works? I know. And I remember when I did Just Who the Hell Is She Anyway, and it was like the strong female character. People were like, oh, nobody's going to read that. I'm like, what, women don't want to be strong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm yeah. like, hello. Yeah. Look at where we are now. It's a really great time to be a woman artist. It really? You Don't think you so? Think? I well, do. I do. I do. I but really I mean, do. I really do. I see like a lot of great things out there that yeah. are just beginning to bubble up to the surface, and I think it's a great time for me, and it's a great time for other women. I love it. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And uh, it's Don't just you think so? I do. Oh well, of course. I was just on a, a panel. Well, I can say this on the podcast. I w- because I was just on a panel with three female creators. And it wasn't about being a woman in comics. It was about making comics. And and uh, no one ever said, what's it like to be a woman in comics? Or, you know, what do women like? Or what do women... It was more like, how do you get published? How do you make, you know, lettering? How do you do panel layouts? And I'm like, this, to me, is the ultimate. It's this when, when we can be, well, you know, we, when women can just be doing our thing and it be about our craft, not about our, you know, whether we were on our period while we were doing it, you know? 
or like <laughs> or wearing sweatpants or wearing sweatpants or lipstick or lipstick or you know like how how our children felt or you know how did you find time anyway you know yeah, yeah, you've heard yeah, it all yeah, but I love that I think that's great yes it is great. it is so well this is a great time for you and and uh, anyway if you're at Comic Con. Uh, this will be going up tomorrow, and you'll be here the rest of the show tomorrow. Actually, guess what? I'm flying out of here. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. That's it. So I just caught you, just you in the nick of time. You did. You totally yeah. did. So would you come back next year or come back? I would again? love to come back next year. Oh. I want to do New York too. Actually. Are you going to draw some comics, some cartoons about Comic Con? You know what? I should actually. You should. Do you have a Tumblr? Do you have a? I'm on um, Instagram, Marisa Marketo. All right. And well, you better. Twitter. I know. You better do that. Now that you said that, you laid down the gauntlet. I got to take it up. All right. Well, I'm glad I, I this is, I, 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 again, I hope I've planted the seed because totally I want to, I want to see these, these. Well, Marisa, it's awesome catching up with you. Great seeing Good you. luck with the book and thanks again. Thanks for all your time. Thank you, Heidi. It's great to be talking to you.